If you have your whoa, sorry. If you have your Bible, go with me um, to First Corinthians chapter six, where we're going to begin. I um, want to take like a couple weeks off of you know us going through different books of the Bible, um, some things that I've been thinking about, and so I want to share with those with you. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about is this word called surrendering. I was um, I was riding with Susan somewhere, and she said the word surrender, and I just started um, thinking about that word, and uh, came to the office the next day, and I was looking at a little pamphlet that was in in my office that's part of our BFC stuff, and and different verses started coming to my mind, and so I want to just share some things with you this morning on surrendering. I remember as a boy. Um, having the privilege to wrestle with my father. And my father had a very unique uh, technique in order to get me back in those days to say surrender. We didn't, you know, I wrestle with Seth now, and he says, you just need to tap out. I'm like, tap out? I don't wrestle to tap out. I don't even know what that means. He says, well, I'll choke you out, and then you just quit, and then I win. I'm like, well, that, I don't know about that. But I remember my dad saying, just, if you just say uncle, I, and then that was over. So what my dad would do, he would wrestle with us for a while, and then when he wanted to end, he would take his hand. He had these short, round fingers, and he would grab us by the stomach, and he would just squeeze. And then we would just say, that's it, uncle, I quit. You know, we're over, and we're done. And so I remember that concept of surrender, and dad could do it whenever he wanted, however long he wanted to wrestle with us. And, um, and so he would go on and on until it was over. And basically what dad was saying to us, you know, you, you just need to agree to stop fighting. You just need to give up. It's over when you give up. Until then, I'm just going to stay on you, and I'll squeeze harder and harder until you say surrender. But eventually, you're going to uncle, and it'll be over. And I've been thinking about us as, as a family, and as I'm living in a nation, and, and, and thinking about the word called Christianity. And I just wonder if you put Christianity, or a believer, or a Christ follower, or whatever, however you want to classify yourself this morning. Let's just say you're, if you came in this building and said, oh, I'm a Christ follower, then my question to you is, are you surrendering? If you come into this room this morning as far as a family and say, well, I'm a Christian. So my, my question back to you is, what are you surrendering? Because it's fascinating to me to watch people say, well, I'm a Christian, but that really doesn't have any effect on their lives. You know, it's fun to watch these new couples. They, they're in love and they want to get married and they come and ask us, you know, Can, will you marry us? And I said, well, are you a Christian? And they look at me, well, yeah, obviously I'm a Christian. Then I'll say to them this, are you surrendering to the Bible? Because what you're going to do is get involved in a relationship, and if you're not willing to surrender, you're going to call love what you want to call love, and not what the Bible calls love. And so this morning as I think about this, this is a picture I, I found, um, and if you know me, I really like cats, so that's even better for me to put one on the screen, so... Surrendering. I'm surrendering. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 15 through 20. And I want you to think about this word, keep thinking through the word surrendering. And I want you to, at the same time, if you call yourself a Christian, what does that look like? And so this morning, if you're at 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, and let's look at verses um, 15 through 20. Let me get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? 
Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality and all other sins. A man stands committed, sins committed outside of the body, but the one who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You've been bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. If I'm a Christian this morning, if I call myself a Christian, honor should be part of my life. And not honor just for me, but what does God want from me? And so as I think about the word honor, I also think about being bought with a price. Crucifixion. The Romans said, let's figure out the longest, most difficult, most brutal way to kill somebody, and that's what we're going to do to this person called Christ. So he didn't just die a quick death where he whopped his head off. They came up with the longest way, and he wanted you to be reminded this morning that you've been bought with a price, and it costs something. It was a willingness to lay down a life for you. He didn't just stop there and say, you know, you've been bought with a price or it cost him something. He also said something about you being a temple. That because of what he did, he deposited a Holy Spirit inside of you. So you're not just your own now. Your body belongs to him. Your body is a temple. And it's just not good enough to to know all those other things. He's also saying to us, flee. When those things that come up that are around us that we know we shouldn't be involved in, flee. Flee that immorality. So I ask you this morning, are you a Christian? Are you honoring God? Have you thought about what it cost Him for you to be a son and daughter? Are you thinking about your body being a temple of the Holy Spirit? And are we willing to flee the sexual immorality? Galatians, take your Bible, go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 17. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. But the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to sinful nature. There are They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not know what you want to do. But if you are being led by the Spirit, you are not under law. You do not do what you want to do, but if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I've been thinking about this battle that goes on inside of us. And I'm not sure we've done it real well explaining or understanding or as a Christian or being part of this family... There's a war going on inside of you. There's this whole thing, if you say you're a Christian, you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and when you do something wrong, you're like, oh man, there's that mistake. And then there's this other side of you that's saying, oh, just do it. It's not that big of a deal. Just just go ahead and enjoy yourself. Nobody will know about it. Just go on. So there's this battle going on inside of you. There's this war that rages on inside of you. So I ask this question, which one are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh 
Or are you feeding the spiritual battle? Maybe you can be a little bit more practical. Guys, when our wives go to bed, what do we watch? Are we feeding the spiritual or are we feeding the flesh? Would it be an opportunity in in our homes, amongst our families, that our wives would just be comfortable knowing that whatever happened when they weren't around, that they could trust us? That they would know there was a hunger inside of our soul to do what was best, not just for us, but for her and for our family. Wouldn't that be an interesting home to grow up in? But I know that there's a battle that's going to take place, and the battle just doesn't happen once or twice. The battle's going to go on for the rest of your life. As long as you have breath on this earth, there's going to be something inside of you that gravitates toward that sinful nature. And there's this other side of you saying, you know, Lord, do I really want to get involved in that? Because I know your word says this, and if I go here, it's going to cost me. And so there's this thing, which one will you do? I don't know. But I want you to think about this morning, you're surrendering one way or the other. One of those are your God, and at times you could be more surrendered to the Holy Spirit. There's times you're going to be more surrendered to the flesh. And so there's this war, guys, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, there's a battle on. And the only way to win the battle is not how big you are, not how strong you are, not how much money you make. The only way to win the battle is surrendering. Say, God, here, I give this to you. There's just something that's going on inside of me. I'm thinking about it. I'm tempted. But God, I just want to give you that desire. Because I know if I walk in that road, it's going to cost me. Another one I want you to think about is Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, most of you know 28. And we know that in all things, God works together for good to those who love them love him and call it according to his purpose. But I want you to see verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. And I want you to underline or highlight or do whatever you want to do in your Bible to, to mark out these words. To be conformed to the likeness of his son. To being changed into the image that looks more like Christ today than it was yesterday to the willingness or to the hunger in our own souls to step back and say, Father, I want to be more like you. I want your characteristics to be part of my life. What I've found is when it comes to conformity, there's a battle. There's this side of me saying, you know, Lord, I kind of like it this way. And so as you think about your willingness to surrender this morning... You think about you calling yourself a Christian, a Christ follower, a believer. Are you conforming, not to your friend's likeness, but to the likenesses of Christ? Because what I know is true, and the temptation of, of us living in America is we can go out there and find anybody we want to to say that our life actions are okay. Because we live in a society where it's just... You do what you want to do. There's no final authority in our society except ourselves. Hey, if I like this, it's okay with me, so I'm just going to enjoy myself today. I'm going to do what I want to do. And it's inbred into our culture, and we bought into the lie. And so my question is, what area of your life are you conforming more to the likeness of Christ in your own personal life? 
Also, I want to share you another verse with you. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3. Second Peter verse, chapter 3 and verse 18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forevermore. And I, you ever wonder why Peter wrote those words? As he, as he finishes off a letter, he says, Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. Well, look in verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, Be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the air of the lawless men. So, hey, I want you to grow in the grace and not... I want you to grow in this. Why? Because there's a thing in this world, and it's called Satan, and he's going to lie to you. And if you're not growing in grace and in knowledge, if you're not wrestling with truth, guess what? You're set up for temptation. If you're not coming back to this and say, I want to know truth. I want to know grace. I want to know knowledge. I want to know something that will help me determine what is right and wrong. And you know what's fascinating to me is? If you would have said to me 15 years ago that we would need something in America that would help us determine what's right from wrong, and we'd have to go back to our Bible, I probably would have laughed at you. Because it was pretty clear cut. Society just kind of said, this is what's right and wrong. It's gone now. And so now you can choose what is right and wrong. You can find your family members, your friends. You can find somebody to tell you what you want to be told. I like the way John MacArthur put it. He put it this way. Pursuing Christian maturity and a deeper knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ will lead you to doctrinal stability and prevent a Christian from being led astray. So there's something out there called Satan, who wants to lead you astray. He wants to send you down a road away from there. And so as you've gathered in front of you, and you have something in front of you called the Word of God, we're together as a family. What should we grow around? His Word. Why? Because the world's lying to us. What is true now and what's acceptable now won't be acceptable in 15 years. It will all change. And so the, the question will be is, will you grow? And it's interesting that growth needs to go depth, down. Stability comes in the root system, not in the structure. Oh, I know this looks nice, but if we go down and see how much concrete was around that pillar, we would say thank you for the concrete around the pillar. Because that's what holds things, the foundation. And so what's interesting is, what will you pursue? And I kind of miss football, so I thought about the Gators' defense when you think about pursuit. So I, for those of you who don't like the Gators, tough. I'm not really worried about it. But there's something about when the ball goes there, there's a group of people going, we want to take, make sure the ball doesn't go any farther. So they rally around, no matter who's in front of them. If they can run over them, they will. If they need to go around them, they'll go around them. They'll do whatever just to stop a football from going one more yard down the field. What are you pursuing? And how much energy will you put into that pursuit to make sure that there's depth in your life that when the hurricane comes, 
you have a foundation to stand. When people start talking, you'll say, oh, that doesn't sound right. Let me come back. What, where's the knowledge in this book? What does God say is right and wrong? And then I want to grow in that grace. I found all of this in this book. It's called BFC Family Doctrinal Statement. All these verses that I just read to you, looked at with you, is under the Christian life part of it. Let me also say this in there. We believe that the Bible gives sufficient reasons and means for a true believer. And isn't it interesting you have to say true believer? Because you could just say a believer, but a believer is not just somebody that believes. A believer is somebody with actions. A true believer to live a Christ-like life and that God expects that. God expects your life and my life to look like His Son, Christ. He also, in, in, our, in our doctrine statement, we say this, we believe that the Christian life should bring honor to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Personal conformity to His image and individual growth in grace. Is that your life? And so I know you could say to me this morning, oh yeah, I go to church and I'm a Christian. Really? Prove it to us. Because anybody could come into a building and say, yeah, I love Jesus. Do you? Your actions will prove if you love Jesus. And so, a couple things that I want to just say when I think about the word surrendering. The word of God is the absolute authority in my life. Now that's easy say, easy to say, but it's very, very difficult to live out. Because I have to come back to the things that I might like as a, as a sin nature and say, God, is this right or is this wrong? When I want to be a husband, I have to come back to the Word of God and say, God, what do you want me to be as a husband? What does that look like? Because I know what my friends will say. Well, you deserve to go do this. I mean, you're the head of the house. Go do what you want to do. I was just thinking about newborn babies and you got dirty diapers and I remember those days and I don't ever want to go back to those days. <laughs> but I remember those days. And it would be so easy, like, well, it's your turn. Or when they would wake up in the middle of the night. Who's getting up? Well, I kind of like it when she gets up. But it's also my responsibility as a dad to get out of bed. And so if Rachel or Seth needed somebody, other than when they were puking their guts out, because then I would be puking too, so... I'm a sympathetic puke guy. I need to be involved. That's what my Bible says. That's what love says. That's truth. But I don't like truth. So then I have to say, okay, Lord, I surrender. Then I think about Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. So Lord, help me get up today. God, help me be nice today. Is it the absolute authority in your life, the Word of God? Is it something that you're going to say? And I've, I've said this before, and, I, and I, I, this is, means more to me when it comes to, to family than anything else. If I could do anything for my kids, it's for my son or my daughter to look me in the eye when they get old and say, Dad, the Word of God is the final authority in my life. 
That's a win for me as a parent. And what's scary is, is then to say, Dad, Heavenly Father, do whatever you have to do in my kid's life so that they will say that. Now that's scary. But that's what I want. That's a win for me. Also, as I say that the Word of God is the final authority in my life, I want you to know this. Somebody that calls himself a true believer and does not repent of their sin can expect the Lord to spank them. He's going to put the whooping on you because he loves you. So if you come into a building and say, yeah, I love Jesus, and you live in open sin, it's going to cost you. Not because he's mean, not because he wants to get even with you, but because he loves you so much as a father, he wants to turn you in a different direction. The other thing that I think is important for us this morning is to remind us that the choices that I make today do matter. The choices you make today, they do matter. And they matter beyond today. They matter for 15 to 20, 30 years from now. They do matter. The other thing that I want you to see is that there's only one way to heaven according to the Word of God. And I think when you... When we say this, okay, it's, it's really nice to say in church circles, in John chapter 14, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That's wonderful. But you're going to be hated in this world because you believe that. It doesn't matter if you, whoa, it doesn't matter if you say anything or go anywhere. It doesn't matter. Just by you saying that Jesus is the only way to eternal life, people will hate you. You better be ready for this. And it's going to happen faster than you think it's going to happen. And so when that stuff comes around and people are saying, well, you hate me. No, I love you enough to tell you that's contrary to the Word of God. And that's my stamp, the way I stand. Not what you feel or what you want or for you to be happy. Because when I check, you being happy doesn't help in eternal life. God has a plan. And so you need to have enough of knowledge of this be able to hold tight onto this when people look at you and say, I hate you. Why do you hate me? Because you love Jesus. Oh. They crucified our Savior. And the last thing, and I want to say this very carefully, come home, it's the best place for you. And I want you to take your Bible and go with me me to Luke chapter 15. And I want to remind you, which most of you probably, if you're change, you know, going there, this is the, the passage where Jesus talks about the prodigal son. And what I'm learning is, as the older I get and the more I spend time just reading, I've really enjoyed you know, putting some thoughts together for, for Sunday morning. But what's fascinating to me is, is when I start to put thoughts together, it's like the Holy Spirit just says, hey, what about this? I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, what about this right here? This, I want you to see this. And so as the the Lord identifies my sin, for me personally, then I have a choice to make. Do I run and just go hide? Do I say I'm just an absolute failure and just give up? Do I I wallow in my self-pity? You know, it's just really bad. I'm just a sinner. Do I... I come back this I came back to this thought I came back to this passage of scripture 
came back to the son that had it all. And he squandered it away. Look at verse um, 15, verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of of the country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And what I love about this prodigal son is, is the dad. And I think when you read through this, don't read through too fast. The dad did not go rescue the son. You see that? He didn't go to the pig pen and say, boy, come home. He let his son get all the way to the bottom. And I learned this through, from Uncle Donald. He shared this, showed this to me. But you know what dad did every day? I believe dad went out and looked down that road waiting for his boy to come home. And when he saw his son, he would forgive him. That's your father in heaven. And you know what I know? There's a battle inside of your soul to surrender. Not just today. It's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen in six weeks' time. And what I've learned is, I did surrender once when I was a whirly bird guy, and Paul Patton scared me to death, and he talked about hell, and I said, hey, I surrender. I'll do whatever Paul Patton says. I am not going to hell. I'll surrender. But you know what I did this morning? I surrendered again. Not for salvation. But I said, you know, Dad, I can't do this. Dad, I have all this stuff inside of me that nobody knows about. I have all this pain inside of me that nobody knows. I have all these areas of sin that just that are a temptation or a struggle to me. What do I do with all this stuff? You know what he said to me? Just surrender. And keep on surrendering. And I was thinking about this morning, I, I came across this song, and I want, you to, I want you to listen to the song. And I think it'll be a blessing to your soul. So if it'll, if it'll play, let's see what happens. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old Trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom A savior He's a prison-shaking savior If you got chains He's a chain-breaker We've all searched for the light of day In the dead of night We've all found ourselves Worn out from the same old fire We've all run the things We know just ain't right There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you 
So, Father, we sit here, and the question will be, will you receive it? So, men, he's a chain breaker. (laughs) Will you let him break the chains? Will you give him your pain? Ladies, what about you? Students, what about you? The stuff that nobody knows, he knows. And he loves you. He loves all of us. And he wants to set you free. But you have to receive it. So, Father, thank you for letting us gather. Thank you for preserving your word over all these years. But Father, may we receive your word today. Father, may we be the ones that are surrendering. Whatever that is. So Father, thank you for allowing us to be here. If you're here this morning and you'd like to pray with somebody, we have the What's Next ministry. We'd love to pray with you. My prayer is that you will receive the words of your Father today. And may those words change you from the inside out. It's one thing to call ourselves Christians. It's another to live a life of obedience. So, Father, encourage those who need encouraged, convict those who need to be convicted. 
And Father, send us out as different people, as sons and daughters that are in love with you and hunger for your word. In your name I pray. Amen.